Welcome to Adventures in Evaluation Podcast with James Coyle and Kylie Hutchinson. So good morning, Kylie. You probably got up not too long ago, eh? Uh, yeah, but it's fine. We get up at six every morning, so it's it's uh, it's not a problem. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad to hear you'll have the uh, you'll have the husky voice today. Yeah, that's right. And I don't even have to have a cold. <laughs> hey, can I tell you about my week? Yeah, you know, I saw your tweet yesterday. I was, I, did you see my email? I was thinking, Kylie, yeah. you know, I never really. It doesn't sound like you're in Africa. I don't hear crazy stories. <laughs> I don't hear nothing. And then I go to check my tweet, and then it's like, oh yeah, there it is. So last night, so it's right, right. I'm working in Zambia and uh, doing this M&E contract, and uh, it's been really interesting, James, because um, I got here at the end of September, and I as soon as I I hit the ground running, literally. I walked in the door of this organization, and they said, we need evidence now. We have all these funders lined up. And they're talking significant funders. They have donor agencies. Everybody is interested in what they're doing. They've got corporate sponsors, banks, you know, big names ready to to invest in what they're doing. But they need evidence. And they said, we need it like yesterday. So I've had this huge pressure on me to, to, to scramble and get this evidence. So, uh, you know, within a week, we had hired 10 research assistants. We had, um, uh, we were taking, uh, collecting data from 800 school kids and, you know, doing matched comparison schools and all of that stuff. And from, from an evaluator's perspective, it was, you know, it was fabulous because there was also not a lot of budget limitations. And um, so that so that's been great. But the, I've just constantly for the last six weeks, I, you know, everybody's like literally coming to me every day, going, "Well, do you have something? Do you have something? Do you have something?" And of course, you know, the data was kind of needed a lot of cleaning up and stuff like that. Anyway, so that on Monday night, um, the guy that I'm working for is was leaving for South Africa going to meet all of these funders and you know we're right down to the wire he's like looking at me pleading going Kylie do you have anything for me and I did but I needed to just you know put it in a really good format and and you know I wanted to check some of the stuff with my my stats guru and things like that so uh anyways <laughs> 6.30 in the evening, I'm ready to sit down and just put in a really good session of work. The power cuts off, um, and so I'm doing it in the dark, wondering, you know, how many hours I've got in my battery. It's stinking hot. The fan doesn't work. I'm being bitten by mosquitoes, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, okay, this is Emony. <laughs> this is Emony. So uh, that's that's great uh, uh, to hear that you're actually, you know, having some hardships and... Uh, uh, you know, you're actually uh, rediscovering your roots and the, uh, the hard scrabble life of an evaluator. But then I saw your other tweet today that said, you know, I'm falling in love again. Or you said uh, something about statistics and how much you miss it. You know, I think I've said a couple times on this podcast that my focus as an evaluator for, you know, the last 10 years or so has been on uh, working with community-based organizations who don't have large budgets, uh, we don't have large sample sizes, and there's a lot of qualitative data collection, and there's not a lot of quantitative and working with statistics. And, you know, a tea test, what was that? I remembered it from a while ago. It's uh, Anyways, green tea or black tea, which do you prefer? Yeah, exactly, the tea test. So, 
anyways, it's it's been great because here I've just been using every single aspect of my evaluation training, and I'm amazed at how quickly it's come back. So you know, when I when I left school, I felt like I was the queen of SPSS and the princess of SAS, right? I knew it in in and out, and then I just never really used it in my consulting practice. And and all of a sudden, I spent the last week and a half reteaching myself SPSS, and um, it was great. And the stats, you know, now I have a stats guru back at home that I, you know, I double check my stuff with. And she gave me a, you know, a little nudge. I said, this is my data, you know, this is my type of variables, blah, blah, blah. Can you remind me? What do you think I should be using? And she came back and said, you know, okay, well, this is a chi-square. This should be man Whitney, blah, blah, blah. And I went, oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. And, and, and then I just dove back into it. And it's a bit like learning a language, James. I don't know, or kind of learning to swim. It's like, oh, yeah, it was there and it's back and and it just oh James I can't tell you how great it feels to be playing with data and doing a good regression and figuring this out and and I have to say I mean shout out to my stats guru Shane Rustikus at University of BC um, but also you know the help function in SPSS has been really useful as well and um and so, yeah, no, it's just been a great, I have to tell you, it's been a great week. It's been challenging from the, from the as you say, the hard scrabble life of the M&E consultant. But it's also just been really fabulous and stimulating to get back into my stats. I'm like, woohoo, bring it on. Yeah. So, so next so. time I see you, you'll be sporting a Man Whitney U-Tests rock. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. You should put that on your next tweet. Just FYI, folks, Man Whitney is awesome. Okay, so here's my other thing um, that I just wanted to say, though, about my experience here. I have never been so invested in seeing a positive outcome. What's raised a red flag for me is just I feel really invested in this in this program. I really want to see a positive outcome. So that's interesting because I wanted to ask you, with the pressure that the funders have, and I had a conversation with another program like this today as well, um, where I went to a senior executive and I maybe have more of a relationship with this executive. And so to kind of help them out, I said, you know, I touch base and ask kind of what, what are, what's on their mind these days and what are they looking for when we have a meeting, you know, in a few weeks and, and kind of relay that back. And, you know, along the same lines, it was that uh, they would love to have evidence that shows and, and as soon as I hear that, I'm thinking, uh-oh, but, you know, uh -oh. let's listen. Evidence that shows, you know, X, Y, and Z so that it will help us in what we want to do with A, B, and C. And, you know, I thought this through and I processed it and I was sharing it back to the group. And so, you know, the question for you I had um, was, so where's that line where it's okay to test the hypothesis or as Michael Quimpatton, Jamie Gamble, <gasps> others we've all worked with would say, you know, oh, I said Michael Compatton. Sorry. <laughs> did he who he who cannot be named anymore in this podcast anymore? <laughs> how you know? How do you feel about testing a specific reality that you know people have a vested interest in? And in my own case, I thought, well, I, I don't mind looking, but the truth is going to be in whatever, or the truth, you know, the the reality is going to be in whatever the data says. And if we don't find what you assume is working well over here, then it just won't be. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. And I find myself saying that quite a bit. You know, the reason this program, um, 
uh, they have invested about three years, two and a half years of work into it. They've invested millions of dollars right. into it. Right. And um, all of a sudden, I'm on the other side. I'm like you. I'm an internal evaluator because I'm working in the office. I know the people. I see how everybody's working really hard at it. It's ramping up. Those alarm bells started going off for me, and I thought, okay, i got to do something here. So, A, I've got my stats guru, and and anything that I'm producing, um, I'm also using her just as an objective sounding board. You know, I'm saying, Shana, look at this two-pager. Am I overstating things? And she's been really good. You know, she's saying, I think you want to emphasize this a little bit more. We got a caution here. And and I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I've actually gone back and I've read my guiding principles um, because I recognize it's there. And I've never felt that before. And and. I think it's because of these two reasons. One, because I'm an internal evaluator all of a sudden, and two, because I just see the effort that has been invested into this this project. So what's um, what uh, folks won't know unless we tell them is that uh, right now we're connecting uh, and uh, across uh, an ocean and across uh, uh, two continents, uh, and it's uh, just after 6 a.m. for you. And if I didn't know better, I'd say you had four cups of coffee, uh, but you're just absolutely enthusiastic about what you're doing. And you know what comes to mind is going back to those principles and our standards, but is um, uh, one of the, the 10 uh, steps or um, uh, 10 factors that uh, he who will not be referenced directly um, also cites as far as making sure that evaluation is useful and uh, when you follow up f- with folks, is that you, it's very important that our enthusiasm for the use of findings is not confused with being an advocate for the program. Right. right. Yeah. And so I think I just emphasized to a, a university class last week, to another uh, class today, is, you know, be enthusiastic. Be as enthusiastic as Kylie is at 6 a.m. when mosquitoes are biting her about evaluation, about findings, about statistics, but be careful not to get too close to the program. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that is more of a, uh, you know, what I'm learning is it's a bit more of a challenge with as an internal evaluator, I think, uh, I'm finding. It, yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. Uh, I mean, welcome back to the world I live in, but I, I think it might even be harder for you because, I mean, I, I assume these people have flown you from our great country to their great country, and you're working directly with the people, almost like a developmental evaluation uh, evaluator would be. You're you're right into the whole program, are you not? Yes, I am, and that, that's also a really interesting point. Now we're volunteering; they paid for our flights, um, and they uh, are paying for our accommodation as well, not our living expenses or anything like that. But I will I will tell you that. I have been kind of prepping people, um, as a good evaluator does, for a you know less than positive result, even even a negative result. I mean, I, I have to tell you, I did have some sleepless nights having to imagine telling these guys, look, you know, everything you've done for the last two and a half years and three million dollars later is is not working. But um, it doesn't look like that's what we have, you know, that that that's not the case. And, and I have the stats to, to back it up. But I I, I was. Prepping them, I was saying, you know, 
what are we going to do if we find that things aren't as effective as you expect or, you know, um, and then I was kind of saying, you know, we're going to use that as a learning opportunity that maybe we need to put more attention in these aspects of, of the activities or, um, you know, something like that. And at first, you know, I had to encounter that. I know it works. I know it works. I know it works. And, um, and, and I just want to reference Chris Lisi's cartoon that, um, uh, I was just looking at recently about um, breaking that tension about when you go in and we'll put it. Have you seen it, James? I know Chris's work, but I don't think I've seen that particular cartoon. Okay. We, should, we should put it up on our website. I will put it up on the website because it's very funny. It, you know, it just kind of shows you that uh, I, I know my program works when you walk in the door. And then as an evaluator, you're thinking... Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> so I've been kind of, I've been, you know, fighting that, but, um, you know, slowly trying to bring them along, you know, showing them what evaluation is and just, and just emphasizing it's a learning opportunity, right? It's, it's, it's uh, so it's, uh, yeah, there's that truth to power, you know, reality in that role that we each need to play. Um, I was curious to know what kind of truth to power have they experienced before, was there another evaluator who was, you know, had your position before? Is this a, a brand new experience for them? Well, you know, they had this idea that they need to do ME. And I just wanna I just wanna say this kind of distinction that in North America we tend to use the word evaluation or program evaluation, but in international development, um, which I am and kind of a newbie to, it's all ME. Mm -hmm. They just say monitoring evaluation, ME, ME, mm -hmm. ME. Um and uh, they knew they had to do it, and they collected data, but they kind of were fumbling around. They, you know, some of the data I can use as as pretest data, um, um, but I think it's 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 a good thing that I'm here because I'm basically tightening up the operations. I'm looking at their assessment tools. I'm, uh, you know, doing a better study design. I brought some comparison groups in, which by the way, were really easy to do. Um, and uh, so, you know, yeah, it's a good thing I'm here and I'm hope I, you know, I've got a big task in six months to try and put them on the right uh, path. But there's also uh, a fellow here that I'm mentoring and doing capacity building with him. So he's going to kind of take over. Fantastic. And so the other thing, James, that um, I meant to tell you that's really interesting was remember when Pat and Amy did the interviews on the ground at AEA, mm -hmm. the AEA conference. Well, one of the women that they interviewed was an M&E person based with World Vision in Lusaka and Zambia. And when, so when I heard that, I almost fell off my chair. I thought, geez, what are the chances? So um, I contacted her. And so we're going to get together. And um, so I'm starting to reach out and find other, other M&E consultants. But it was all because of adventures and evaluation that I found uh, another M&E person here in Zambia. So how cool is that? That is very cool. We are grateful to our interviewers. Again, uh, both Pat and Amy did a fantastic job. We've got some great feedback uh, about those interviews, and uh, it's such a small world when it comes down to it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so that's been really good. So, so I guess we're um, you know we went on this massive tangent, and, um, and the question uh, was where were we going on a tangent from? I think we're just freestyling this uh, this podcast. We were going to talk about the the government of Canada's Treasury Board document, but um, 
I don't know. You know, we could tell people that there is this new document that's re released by the Treasury Board of Canada, which I'm not sure what the American equivalent is. Is it the GAO or the I'm not really sure. Anyways, they re they they write a report on the health of the evaluation function within the federal government. And for those people that aren't aware that the Canadian federal government is really big in evaluation. There's no arm twisting or anything there. In some respects, they're real leaders. And uh, so we were going to talk about that document, but then I... I um, <laughs> I, I need a little bit of therapy with James. So, Well, that's okay. When we first started and had this idea for a podcast, it was really based on these kind of conversations where, you know, uh, we would just talk about what was happening in our practice and uh, we would kind of, you know, uh, debrief with each other. And so to some extent, maybe one every 10 podcasts, we should just have a freestyle. Yeah, and that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, so, you know, in the last few minutes, because I'm sorry I've monopolized this whole conversation, but um, any news from your world of evaluation? Well, not so much news. I guess uh, I was uh, emailing back and forth with a couple other evaluation colleagues today, too, who were asking me, you know, how's, how's things going? What's new? And I guess, uh, you know, this week, uh, one of the challenges I'm having is getting ready for an executive presentation uh, that's supposed to be next week and really trying more and more earnestly to adopt some of the, you know, the, the better practices in uh, presenting and preparing s slides if you're going to do slides and really trying to think about how far I can actually bend, um, you know, the content uh, and, and, have it come off as appropriate for the uh, senior executive that we're working with. Um, some of the documents, uh, long story short, is we had an evaluation report. I won't get into the details, but it was the standard 1325 kind of document, one page, you know, three page executive summary, and then the 25 page technical report. And, mm -hmm. you know, use Stephanie Evergreen's uh, checklist to go through and make sure that most of it was you know, to, to good uh, practice as a report goes. But to present it to senior executive in our culture, in our organization, anything that goes to them typically has to be put in text. It doesn't typically have figures, maybe a few tables, uh, but it goes in what's called a briefing note. And really when I, you know, uh, you, we all have deadlines for these things. So sometimes you just have to pull the trigger and with approvals and going through different channels, you are further pressured to pull the trigger sometimes. What I found was that the uh, the short part of the document, the one and three pager, um, really when I sliced that down was enough to fit in the briefing note and really said to senior executives who will read the briefing note, and they almost, they, they almost certainly do, um, is the rest of the report is optional. Uh, so what I'm trying to figure out is how do I want to and what do I want to present to them? So I have 15 minutes, and how do mm -hmm. I use that 15 minutes? It, they will presumably have shown up and read the three or four page report. So there's a good mm -hmm. chance they should have a working knowledge of the findings uh, for this program, the recommendations that I've made. So the question I have maybe for you is, you know, do you think it adds value for me to go in and pull out uh, figures and tables and graphs and quickly walk them through the story in almost a five-minute presentation just to tee up the discussion? Or do we do what we often do here and just show up and say, so you've all read the report, do you have any questions? 
I don't mm-hmm. like doing that. I'd like to give them yeah. something. But the, the hard part for me is knowing what have they already studied? What have they already done? So I don't want right. to bore them. I don't want to waste their oh. time. Oh, 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 I have an idea. I have yeah, an idea. Yeah, tell me. So this is what I kind of advise in, in my workshops on um, effective reporting. And you basically, you've got two options, James. You get a stack of post-it notes or you get a stack of index cards. You shut the report, close it, turn off your computer. Very important. Go to your kitchen table or your, you know, big table. And you shut your eyes and you say, what do these guys need to know? in five minutes or what do they need to know in 15 minutes and you don't say okay they need a sentence about the introduction and a sentence about the methodology you say what do they need to leave with and then you start scribbling thoughts down directly out of your brain onto those post-it notes and then you start rearranging them as a story you storyboard it right but the most important thing Mm -hmm. is you don't look at your report because it's in your head you've been dealing with this report you know the contents, you know the data, you know the recommendations, so you just trust and you say, I got five minutes, what do these guys need to know? And you put it, you just scribble it down, rearrange them till you've got a story that makes sense. And when you look at it, it won't look anything like the format of your report. It will look like uh, you walking them through it uh, in a logical way. And then each one of those post-it notes becomes a PowerPoint slide. Does that make sense? It does, and that's pretty much, uh, without using the post-it notes, that's pretty much what I've gone about doing, is I've, I've abandoned the report structure. I've, I've, I've decided to abandon the methodology and you know all those kinds of things. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you what I've done with them, uh, but I've, I've thought the story I want to tell is basically these three points, and I want to really emphasize the last point, and then I want to foster discussion. It's it's less of a presentation and more about teeing up a discussion about right. the recommendations. And actually, after me, the program itself is going to respond to the recommendations and talk about their actions. So yeah. what you're describing, I think, really, really well and visually and, and practically for our listeners is basically what I did. The way we did it is we had you know a slide deck of... 60 odd figures and slides that we had accumulated over the course of synthesizing the data with all the stakeholders in the past. And I was really trying to figure out and whittle down and I got down to 20 and I was like, no, that's too many. I got down to 10. Uh, I was like, nah, it's still too many. You know, what are the five key ones that will help Mm -hmm. me skip through? Now, what I did is I kept ones, you know, in the slide deck in the PowerPoint deck underneath some blank slides in case we need to actually go to them. So if someone says, back up, I didn't have time to read the report. I have some questions about your methodology. Or, um, you know, can you tell me again about the finance piece? Pull up the actual spreadsheet. So instead of going into the report, see page 33, I'm ready to jump to those kind of items. Do you do that as well? Wow. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> So I'll tell you, this is a this is something that I've been doing for most of the time. Is I can't remember who I worked with who said it. I like to have all that stuff in my hip pocket, and so yeah. that if someone says, "Well, you know, I got a question about this," boom, just jump to that particular slide and away it goes. But the discipline actually has to come with whittling it down to the five, and being prepared to leave the rest. Yeah, and that's like you said, that's that that is a discipline and often, you know, that old idea of the elevator speech, right? 
you, you've got five minutes of their attention. What do they need to know before they leave the room? And I also think, you know, you were saying you really want to kind of set them up for for thoughtful um, re, uh, reflection on the results and and, dis, and discussion. And I think some really careful choice of pictures can always kind of do that as well. Yeah, that's the last piece I'm sort of uh, working on is finding good photos that uh, are actually reflective um, and it's, you know, depending on what your, you know, issue is, you can either find pictures that, uh, are metaphors or, uh, representative of, um, and not just use nasty, you know, stock photos. But I, I think actually what I may need to do is have someone professionally shoot a couple of photos that relate to this particular program and process. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that would be great. And by the way, I don't think stock photos are nasty. I, I know people, they're kind of getting a bad rap these days. But frankly, I find them incredibly useful. Now, I have learned from, you know, the PowerPoint Stephanie Evergreen that we're not supposed to use those little those little white doughboys like the Pillsbury doughboy. Okay, I learned my lesson there. You mean Clipper? Uh, no, no, no. You know those, you know, they're like, they look like the Pillsbury Doughboy and they're white and they're like little men and they're... But they're animated. You know, you, they're cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not cartoons. What are they? They're like... Are I they don't, real I don't know. people dressed up as the Pillsbury <laughs> No, they're not real people. Okay, they're animated. <laughs> okay, at least they're not real and they're yeah, okay, not... Okay, okay, okay. Okay, they're animated, but they're not like line cartoons or, or clip art. Anyways... The bottom line is you're not if, if they're white white and fluffy don't use them, but uh, I, I'm 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 continually amazed when I go on a stock photo site. For example, I was I was doing a presentation about a seniors falls prevention program, you know, and I typed in senior fall or falling down or something, and sure enough, there is this brilliant high quality photo of this poor. Old woman who's fallen on the stairs, and it—it's—it's it's not a natural photo. Some enterprising photographer, you know, set his mother up and said, "Mom, can you just kind of lie down on the stairs like this?" Yeah, and take here's a photo? the crash but, mat. There's, uh, you know, she's act, <laughs> acting like Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> Come on, mom, this will really, really, really help my career. Um, but it's there, and I think, oh, thank goodness. And when I said terrible stock photos. I think what I mean is the ones uh, that I, I saw in another presentation the other day where it's, you know, a bunch of people standing around a table and it's meant to uh, convey collaboration or something. Right. And you know right. that these people don't work in your organization. You know they dress far better than your current culture. Um, <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just looks like a, it says I'm a stock photo as opposed to what you're yeah, citing, no, which is enough. a good example of a stock photo. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And then there's that and then there's that really overused one of the different colored puzzle pieces for collaboration. I've been guilty of that too. Hey, should we be wrapping up? Some people have to get to work. I don't know. Yeah, we should. I, I guess this is the podcast we would call uh This Week in Kylie and James's uh uh work life. What would we Everything. call this one? Everything, everything but the kitchen sink. Everything but the kitchen sink and a passing uh, nod to the 2011 annual report on the health of the evaluation function by the <laughs> Treasury Board of Canada Secretariat. A wonderful 38-page right. <laughs> report that we encourage everybody to read. And we will yeah. post the hyperlink there. Uh, you know, in all serious, maybe another time we'll talk a bit about the significant impact uh, in, uh, for Canadians particularly on 
the uh, the policies and uh, the ongoing requirement to demonstrate uh, that uh, evaluation and leadership competencies and evaluation are being attended to here in Canada. But I think this week both you and I needed uh, each other's counsel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, well, that was good, James. Thank you. And uh, I need to get to work. So. Well, you sound more awake than you started, so I'm glad, uh, you know, this invigorating debrief. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we'll put that, I'll put that Chris Chris Lacey cartoon up on, and I will also uh, put up a picture of the post-it note uh, technique as well. And I guess maybe keep us posted how your, (laughs) no pun intended, uh, how your presentation goes with senior executive. Yeah, my biggest fear is that what often happens is if they fall behind schedule and you're waiting in the shark tank, you know, your, uh, your 15 minutes or your half an hour evaporates down to five. And, you know, then everything goes out the window. So you quickly have to adapt. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, you know, that's that's a really interesting point. And uh, all the more reason why you need to, to plan those salient points for five minutes. It truly is an elevator speech. You're just in a yeah. boardroom going yeah, nowhere, and, right? Yeah, and really the 30-second, you know, realistically the 30-second elevator uh, elevator uh, speech pitch so well listen kylie enjoy the rest of your week i hope that your power stays on the media yep. mosquitoes stay away <laughs> thanks james and i hope your your uh i hope your move goes well yes okay so uh folks if you're uh, um interested in sending us a, com- a comment then james do you want to give them the the email so, uh, for those of you who want to get a hold of us, you can always email us at adventures and evaluation podcast at gmail.com, or you can actually contact us through adventures and evaluation.podbean.com, the website. For those of you who have your favorite iPhone or other portable listening device, feel free to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Well, listen, from one side of the small world to another, Kylie, it's been great to chat with you. I hope the rest of your week goes splendidly. Great. You too. And and good luck with the move, James. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, take care. Bye.